and welcome to Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond, hosted by Mark Kaler. My name is Penka Jane, podcast deckhand and longtime listener. We'd thank you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Here's today's catch. Hello guys and welcome back to another installment of Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond. I'm your host, Mark Kaler. And today we have uh, a unique feature, actually. We drove over to Beverly, and uh, we're going to be interviewing Captain Therese Savageo. How are you today, Therese? I'm good. Good, good. So let's just start with how we <coughs> start every episode. Uh, we're going to ask you where you were born, how you were raised, and what brought you into the industry. I was born in Salem, but lived in Beverly most of my life. Right up the hill in... I was, I'm the oldest of six kids, so I get to go out a lot without being supervised because there were so many kids to supervise. So I used to hang around down, down the wharf, which was only three houses down. And my father would take me out fishing. We went fishing. We had a rowboat and go flounder fishing. My father loved fishing. He would... He really loved fishing. Then I would hang around down this wharf, and I would say, oh, I can do that, I can do this. And this. Well, here you go, try it. So one guy gave me a few traps, and I had a rowboat, and I'd put them on my, he showed me a little bit how to fix them, and I'd go out and put the traps out, and, and I'd catch lobsters. He goes, how'd you catch those lobsters in that trap? They had big holes in the traps. Well, I caught some nice big lobsters in them. So anyway, I, I learned how to fix them up. I, and they had a fish trap boat that I used to work on. And that's how I got my bait. Nobody else wanted to go out on this fish trap boat because it had been four at o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> but my, a couple of my girlfriends, her father that ran the fish trap boat, besides the owner of the Rowan's across the street, he, he was the owner of the fish trap boat. We'd go out, have to haul in the, the net, and on the way out, he'd get a couple dozen donuts and say, say to the girls, oh, how's those nice greasy donuts doing in your stomach? And the girls would get sick. <laughs> but I was okay with it. So anyway, we'd haul, haul the fish trap in. We'd get 10,000 mackerel. There'd be other fish in the net too. Yeah, there'd be monkfish. Lots of fish in the trap. But anyway, we we haul that, and I would get bait from it. That was my pay. I'd get bait. And then I'd go out with my little rowboat. And one of the guys gave me, he gave me, uh, one of the guys over there, his father gave me 10, 10 traps. They were all wooden traps back then. So they were kind of heavy, but they were okay. I made up, and in the winter time, I used to have to bait hooks. That was the worst job. Three hundred hooks in a tub for three dollars. For the tub? Yeah, that, that was horrible. I didn't like doing it, but I did it. Get a few bucks. You'd get five dollars for reel in the net. I liked real and nets better, but everybody else did too. Right. So I didn't get to do that so much. But it was fun. 
Can you explain what a what a fish trap boat is? A fish trap boat is like a lobster boat, but it has a boom on it. So you just tie that up at the the mouth of the the fish trap. Then you'd have a dory. You have to row down to the dory, go down to the mouth, and reel uh, reel into the net and hold it so you get the fish into the pocket. And then once the fish are into the pocket, you have to reel it in till till the fish are jumping around. And then you would take the big net from the boat, scoop it up, and put them in into the big boat. And that then be sold to other fishermen as bait, but you were taking your pay as oh, part yeah. of that. Uh, yeah, they did, but they sold a lot of those fish to New York. You know, we'd have to sort them out, the big, the medium, and the large and stuff. But, mm -hmm. but for the most part, yeah, they used them for bait too. Did you work on very many other people's boats before you went on to, to get uh, in your own? Or how did that process work? I worked on... A couple of the guys' boats over there, yeah. A lot of their wives didn't want a girl working on the boat, so. I worked on a few guys' boats. So mostly I had to pick up all the stuff myself. All the information or, you know, just by watching people, basically is how I picked it up. And then you started upgrading from your rowboat? Yeah, then I upgraded to an Amesbury skiff. That was pretty cool. And let's see, really back then you could get a commercial fishing license for 10 bucks. So I had a commercial fishing license. And I'd always have a job somewhere trying to get a bigger and better boat or more traps because uh, nothing was given to me. Mm -hmm because there was too many kids in the family. So I always had a job. But I liked, I liked the fish trap one. That was pretty cool. I probably never did dragging. We did hooking. I did go gill netting with a few people. But I got uh, tennis. What do you got? Tennis. tennis elbow? Not elbow, I think my wrist. Like carpet tunnel or? Yeah, it might have been something like that. And it wouldn't go away, so I had to give that job up. But I had a lot of other jobs too. I, when I finally graduated school, I used to drive a truck and deliver motor oil and antifreeze. And those when they had big heavy cases back then. 24 cans in a case. Yeah, cans in a case. Yeah. <laughs> and people were amazed that I could do that. But I, I did it. And then in the summertime, I'd go out after work, and I'd do that till I finally got enough traps. So then I got upgraded to another boat. This boat was the Seagull. It was like a 32-foot, like a little Novi boat. That boat wasn't that great, but uh, that boat was good for a little while till I upgraded to. Well, wait, now on this one, how many traps were you running on on her? Let's 
see, probably 400. Oh, okay. Maybe 400 or so. Now, did the did the did your commercial fishing license then start costing more, and how did that process oh. work, or did, were you grandfathered in because you got yours initially? Oh, the price just goes up, like with everything. All all fees go up on everything. I was grandfathered. It does. Yeah, I was grandfathered in, so I still had the license. But yeah, every year you have to buy a license, and like the price goes up every year. And it's all, and a lot of that's based on the number of pots you have too, or? No, really back then everybody used to have a, an agreement, like, that they only fish 400 traps. And all, that, that was good, you know, everybody could make a living on the 400 traps until a bunch of younger kids started coming into the business and they would put out a thousand traps. Or two thousand traps, and they kind of ruined it for a lot of all the little guys. <coughs> you know, the guys that were really fishing the four hundred. You know, it was like a gentleman's agreement. So now, since they started doing that, everybody got together and they said, "Well, we can't have these guys fishing all these traps, you know, because they're ruining the price." Mm. So then they put a limit on it. And now the limit is 800 traps. No matter how big your boat is. That's right. No matter how big your boat is, you can have 800 traps and that's all you're supposed to legally fish. Some people maybe fish more, some people don't. But they put the gauge up a few times of the lobsters because they're trying to save the industry. They said our price was going to get better, but it didn't. Mm -hmm. They lied. So what was your next boat upgrade then? Oh, my next boat was the Sea Witch. That was my favorite boat. It was a little hard chime boat. It was a good boat. Probably one of my favorites. But where is she now then? Uh, I think somebody cut it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I sold it to somebody when I bought this boat and said, hey, just give me $500 a month, that's it, you know, till you pay for it. I didn't charge him very much. And then he didn't pay me for a long time. I goes, hey, where's my money? <laughs> and I had to take him to court, but I mean, he was a friend of mine. Was? He did, he did pay me, I mean, he's still a friend of mine. I went to school with them. I went to school with most of the people around here. That that lobster now. I mean, a lot of the Bartlets, the Bartlets, they fish. They there's like there was the father and three boys. They fished. And most of the people, you know, they couldn't stand me to when I first started fishing, but they got to know me and knew I, I didn't. I didn't, wasn't a cutthroat or nothing, you know. I'd tie everybody back if they crossed me and... So, and like I said, I, I grew up with them. There's a lot, a lot of things that you probably would have done differently because I, I drank too much. Yep, I think that was part of the business. Drinking was part of the business. 
<laughs> I, I think in some areas it still is. Yeah. Um, so a question that my wife really wanted to make sure that you were asked is, and you've, you've said it, you've already touched on it a bit, but do you think that you've faced additional difficulties as a woman being in this industry? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough because a lot of the guys don't want to take you out on a boat because their wives are jealous or they, you know, they don't trust the guys or... So, the, you know, I probably, I, I've never been dragging. I would have liked to do that. And I've never been scalloping either. I, you know, there's other things. I probably, I, I've done a lot, but. I saw a sign above your, your locker, your net locker. Yeah. That says, uh, Captain Therese Savageo. Uh, Beverly's first lobster woman, circa 1953. My husband makes signs up all the time. <laughs> it was, yeah, trees. Yeah, this is a good sign for you, yeah. Uh huh. He, he likes to put signs all over the place. and. I think it's a pretty cool sign. Yeah. I wasn't born then, though. Oh, I was born a year before that. <laughs> oh, okay. So, oh, so he's claiming you were lobstering <laughs> right out of the gate. Okay, okay. Well, it sounds like you started pretty young anyway when your dad started bringing you out and taking you fishing and then and what what did your what did your dad think about because it sounds like you were close to him what what did your dad think about when you were a young kid rolling out here with six dilapidated lobster traps and going to set them out by yourself oh, he, he had no problem with that he trusted me I don't, he was always working so you know he was always out working so he had no problem, and I was strong back then. Did you have you um, ever encountered issues getting a crew? I never had a crew. So I never needed one until I got this big boat, and then I had all the problems. <laughs> so you did until you bought. When, when did you buy this boat, or when did you upgrade this boat? Uh, Two thousand one. Two thousand one. Yep. So prior to 2001, since you started, you've never ran a crew. You've always been just solo. I'd have a girlfriend go out with me. I, I, I did have a crew. You know, I did have a crew. I'd get people out of the bar, and they'd crew for me. Sometimes they'd... I had, you know, a couple steady people back then that would crew for me. But if they didn't come, if they didn't show up, it was I'd go out without them. Mm -hmm. You know, I had no problem with that. Mm -hmm. So. And still, even today, guys, uh, when I got here, she had, she had got, just gotten back from out on a trip. Her boat's still warm. We're actually on her boat now. That's dedication. So how you go out most days? I go out just, yeah, most days. I try and take one day off because the downfall of being a woman, you have to do laundry, clean the house. You have to do all that stuff that you don't really want to do, but somebody's got to do it. It's got to get done. Yep. It's got to get done. Where, do you see yourself continuing for, I mean, is this the future? Let's see. Since I've had this boat, I've had two rotocuff surgeries, two knee replacements. Oh, when I had my, this, 
the sea witch, I had a back fusion. And I've had another back fusion. I've had two back fusions. And I do need a shoulder replacement, but we're coping with that. I've been working with a fractured wrist. I was going to say, you get, <laughs> she's, she's bandaged up right now. But it's getting better. But it's still going. But I can still work with it. Mm -hmm. yep. So uh, I slowed down a lot because I used to fish all winter too back then. And now I, I, I stopped fishing all winter because I'd have surgeries instead now. You know, winters so. for surgeries and yeah, winters just for surgeries. Now I'm just going to take winters off and just maybe take vacations instead. Yeah, you know, because we own a restaurant and now our son is running the restaurant, which is good. good. That's the anchor. The anchor pub and grill. Yep, located yep. in Beverly. Yeah. And what I find funny is when we were walking down to her boat, which is maybe a block, two blocks at the most. One block. And uh, so it's across the street, actually, from from the anchor, and the house two houses down is where she was, where she grew up. Yep. Just all right here. So you were explaining that this used this building. Um, what did you call it? It, it was the buying station. Uh, Rowan's. Rowan's. Rowan's Wharf. It was. That's where uh, there's a lot of. People that had their boats there, that's that's where the fish trap boat was and a lot of people that helped me out, you know. When I came along, you know, they just helped me out and And he was one of them. Elliot. Yeah, he he let me work on his boat. Yeah, he was a good guy. He wished he wished that his son was like me. Maybe maybe their work ethic wasn't yes, the same. So. Sounds like you had some of that. Yeah, I was always busy. I, I liked the work. Got that from was, your dad? Yeah, I think I did. He was a jack of all trades. Master of none, jack of all trades. He, at the end, well, he was a fireman. And at the end, when he retired, he came and worked on my boat. And then he said, geez, I got a crank in my back. Goes, well, I just worked through it, you know, this and that. But he ended up having bone cancer and dying a couple of years after. But he always wanted to work with me. And he did. was a good guy. Yep. That's great. That's really good. What what kind of advice would you have for young ladies looking to to get into the industry? Or would you have advice? I don't know, just keep trying, do your best. Stay strong. Don't back down. Have you had some, uh, obviously all these years fishing, you had to have, 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 had to have had a couple times when you were a little scared and nervous out there. Can you share one of those with us? Oh, one time I was coming in and there was big waves out there. The waves were coming right in the back of the boat almost, washing out. It's like I was just about staying ahead of the wave before I got in. It was a, the boat wasn't a big boat, you know, but that was probably the scariest time. Yeah, yeah. I think I had a crew with uh, one guy used to work with me. I always I had one guy that worked for me. 
so even now I just I have one guy that works for me he's a good guy he's he's always he shows up every day I'm lucky because he doesn't drink he don't smoke and he's here every day before me oh nice so and he buys me a pastry <laughs> every day every day if I tell him not to he doesn't so wait what about this wave now oh it was scary it was a scary wave but we made it through we got we got in and didn't sink so that was good did you already have your uh, your lobster on board and in a, in, a, in crated up no they were just in the tank okay so they were safe yeah yeah um, what has fishing given you today that you probably wouldn't have had without it fishing is like really relaxing to me it's like when you go out it's like going to church you're always hoping that's I pray when I go out every morning that the day is going to be good and everything will be safe and I catch a lot and God is good mm -hmm. so Anything else you want to share with us? As in your husband's words, the first female lobsterman in Beverly? I'm not really the first female lobsterman in Beverly. Hey, I, read the, I read the sign. I, I, I had a friend of mine. She was like my second mom. She, she used to lobster with her husband. Well, most of them lobstered with their husbands, so. Most of them didn't take the boat out alone but she was always good to me. Uh, I guess that's all I need to share. <laughs> okay, okay. You know, something you mentioned when we were walking down here that you really missed the way that lobstering used to be, that you used to really enjoy it. And that it, in the, in, when you've started, you enjoyed it more than now. Yeah, back in the olden days, you didn't have to write reports. Now you need a bookkeeping job to go lobstering. You have to fill reports out every day of what you caught, where you caught it, the area, how many, what time of day you went out. It wasn't like that back in the olden days. You just went out. Even, even the people that fished back then, I mean, they took away half everybody's gill netting People can't gill net for fish no more. They, they think, well, they think they're depleted or, which I think that if they just kept on going the way they were, it would have been fine. So do you think, I mean, for as long as you've been fishing, you've seen probably peaks and valleys. Has, has the population depleted? Yes, it has, but it's like lobstering. If you let the people go out and fish, they know where the fish are. So let them catch them. When they don't come in with nothing, okay, that's fine. It's like everything. It's like a, a revolution. Like there was dinosaurs. Now there's not. Right. They think that they think that we're we're gonna. They want us to stop fishing because because to save the whales. The whales are more important than people. 
which is not good. People are more important than whales. If they're going to die, they're going to die. It is, we're not killing them. We do everything we can to make them live. Yeah, you tag the, the, the reproducing females and release them. Oh, yeah, we, we have to notch the females when they have eggs. We can't take them. We can't take them if they have notches on their tails. We can't take them if their back's over five inches anymore. I mean, we could take big ones before. You have to be in a different area now to do that. So your area is restricted on the size that you can even take home? Yep. Yep, we can't take big lobsters. How, how far out are your traps? I mean, obviously I'm not going to ask you location, you're not going to share I that with know, me. They're probably, I haven't moved out too far, but I'll go like five miles behind a rock maybe. Mm-hmm. And what's a good day? This year there hasn't been any, too many good days, but like I said, some years are off, maybe they're reproducing, and other years make up for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I might have had 400 pounds one, one day, maybe a little more than 400 pounds one day here, this year. That was probably my good day. But I've had, in previous years, five or 600 pounds. It's and you're out at four in the morning and... I'm out at 5.30. <laughs> and I don't have to get up that early to go out. I, they, like, I like to go out when the sun's up, really, but it's not cooperating at this time of year. Yeah, yeah. So when does winter start then? When is, oh wait, let me rephrase that. When does surgery season start? <laughs> it starts in January. <laughs> <laughs> and when does it end? Oh, oh let's see, March, April. Oh. I usually start in May now, so. Uh-huh. And there's nothing around then. How often do you eat lobster? Uh, I'll take a soft lobster home now and then. Not as often as I could. I like crabs better. I eat crab. I like the crabs better than the lobsters. But we just had uh, we just had I don't know dinner or lunch, however you want to call it. And I I had steak and lobster, and you had the uh, crab or no the seafood cakes. Yeah, seafood so cakes. I had to order a, order <laughs> seafood cakes because if the owner of the bar is ordering the seafood cakes, that's got to be something awesome. And they were very good. They were very good. Yeah, they're usually good. Yeah. So now you got your um, husband. Your 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 son is running the the anchor now, so that gives you more time in the evenings. Oh yeah. 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 Before I used to have to go food shopping, do the slips in the morning before I went out, order the liquor, order the beer. Yeah, I had to do a lot. It was get pretty the, busy in there for three Get the repair, in the you know, if something, the ice machine was broken, I get the repair guy. That's, that's, that's what I used to do all the time, so. So it's good now. Okay, well, Therese, is there anything else you want to share with us? Nope, life is good when you're fishing. That's it. <laughs> that's a good way to end it. All right, guys, uh, thanks for listening, and... Uh, this has been Captain Therese Sav Therese, excuse me. Yeah, I get there. I get there. Savage O. Yeah. And all right, guys, we will see you next time. We used to go to Gloucester drinking and all the bars and stuff. It's like I we used to go there to get bait. I I played pool. One of the bars was House and Mitch. It was a cool place. And I used to play cribbage with him. I mean, he was he was a good guy. But I used to drink that. Yeah, I drank too much back then. <laughs> I think I, I think a lot of people in our industry do. You know? Yeah, 
I can't drink like I used to. Yeah. I wish I could. There's camaraderie in fishing. But yeah. it, it sounds like you did so much of it solo, but when you got back inside... I, I would... We'd go to Gloucester. At, I'd work for one guy, and I'd work for a few guys. And uh, we'd go to Gloucester, we'd, we would drink in the bar all night long. Work, drink in the bar till like 11, 1. I'd sleep on the boat, and we'd go back out in the morning and, and do the same thing every day. I mean, I still, I could still get up, do my job every day. Doesn't matter how much I drank mm-hmm. back then. Yeah. You know, and still be focused. Yeah, yeah. You know? Get the job done. Right. Yeah. I mean, I used to play pool, you know, but, you know, not sit around and just sit sit and drink, you know. We'd play so pool. Or did that influence you into buying this, or was it the fact that your husband had such an awesome restaurant over in Salem? No. My husband is, he, he ran restaurants. There were, he, he had a little uh, dive bar down the street that, uh, you know, he got the boys that got married. We, we got married after that. And then just decided to buy this one. And we lived in Salem, and he goes, "Okay, we got to." We, I mean, I sold like a couple of insurance things I had. He to buy this place, and we lived in a little like two-room apartment until they finished building the up, you know, the upstairs and finished. Yeah. We bought that. It was a bank. It, it was a bankrupt. The guy went bankrupt, but he gutted the place, so there was nothing in there. Yeah. So we had to fix it all up. You know, it's like, <clears throat> but he did it. I mean, he did all this. You know, he he never got depressed or nothing. I mean, he's just kick, stay focused and cheer yeah. and just get it I done. I mean, he knew what to do, and he always did. You know, he's good at that. Mm-hmm. That's great. He's a good restaurant person. That's awesome. Thanks for listening to Galley Stories. We hope you like what the net brought in. Please leave us a review on iTunes, whether you like it or not. We're not fishing for compliments. Look us up on Facebook and Twitter, too, and reach out to us at galleystories at gmail.com.